Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're watching with us online. If you're a guest with us for the very first time, uh, maybe you're watching online or you're in here. We're so glad that you're here. I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Yeah, here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. My hope would be that you would come back and hopefully find spiritual family. Here's what I've realized in kind of our day and age. Y'all don't need another preacher. Y'all don't need another talking head. There's a bunch of podcasts out there. There's the world-renowned best preachers in the world are at your fingertips, right? And so um, you don't need another preacher. What you need and what I need and what we all need is spiritual family. You guys, we all need some relationships. And so my goal is to maybe provide that locally for you and your family, and especially if you're watching online. We'd love to be that for you as well. So we're so glad that you're with us today. If you are watching online, do us a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review, be interactive. It helps us get through some of the algorithms that the social media companies have. And then also, if you're in here, man, take out your phone, uh, check in on Facebook, let people know you at church. And uh, man, we're going to have a good time today. We're starting a brand new series today called You Ask For It. And the reason we're doing it is because uh, you asked for it. And so uh, we wanted to do something fun and really kind of introduce uh, just a different style of teaching. I, I typically preach through sermon series format, so I'll pick a topic and I'll teach about it. I'll teach the Bible. I'll pick a book of the Bible or pick a, a different thing. I, I like to shake it up a little bit. And so my goal is to really not just be um, a, a talking head up here. I really want to help us get through life. And so uh, one of the things we thought would be really fun is to give you an opportunity to ask questions and then we answer it. And so during Easter, we handed out a bunch of cards and some of you filled them out and you went to the online or you did the QR code and it's all digital now and you emailed. We've got hundreds and hundreds of questions in and we've loved it because there's been some interesting questions and there's been some weird questions and there's been some unique questions and there's been some bad questions. Like people are like, there's no bad question. No, you, yeah, there is. There's some bad questions. And so, uh, but that doesn't, shouldn't stop you from asking questions and this has been weird. So um, I, a couple of ground rules real quick, okay, before we get started because I always have to do this when we start our series, okay? Yeah, I'm going to give you some insight as a pastor, okay? Number one, I've been doing these series for years. I've been teaching the Bible for about two decades. Every time we do this series, a few things happen. Number one, a lot of people come. Look around. There's a lot of people. There's probably most, we probably record-breaking attendance today since COVID started. A bunch of people watching more than ever online. Here's why. It's because people want answers to their questions. You and I have questions. The Bible is full of weird parts, and you're like, what does that mean? And I don't know how to do this with my life. And we're all in some situation where we need some questions answered. Amen? And so here's what I know. Whenever we do this, people come. Here's what I also know. On the back end of this thing, it shakes people out of the church more than anything. You'd be surprised. Because here's what happens. I'll answer a question that you might have or a, or a question you don't have, and you had an opinion on it, and you had a stance on it you didn't even know you had, and then I'll give you my thought on it. It's typically not a black and white issue in the Bible. It's not something that's like concrete. It's not something that's like super clear. It's something that's jaded and that's, that's like cloudy, and there's debate about it, and then I'll give you my opinion about it, and you will lose it. And then bounce out of here. And so I have to, like, give multiple, like, kind of like, hey, let me give you some ground rules. All right? So ground rule number one. Everybody say number one. All right. Where the Bible is clear, I will be clear. I would love to. It'd be easier for me to be a self-help guru. Like, it really would. It'd be better if I was Tony Robbins or if I was Oprah or somebody who just get up here and make you feel good about yourself and myself. We all just go home and go eat some Baskin Robbins and have a good day. I would love to do that. My pastor always tells me, you want to make everybody happy? Sell ice cream. That's basically what he wants said to do. So I'm not a self-help guru. I'm a Bible teacher. So where the Bible is clear, I'm going to be clear. Where the Bible's not clear, and let me give you a caveat to that. It is not clear in a lot of areas. dramatic pause. 
And when I said that, some of you are like, this is sacrilegious. This man's crazy. No, you know who people who don't know that is they don't read the Bible. Like, I'll give you an example. What do you think it means if there are smart, qualified theologians on both sides of an issue and can point to Scripture and they don't agree? What does that mean? That means it's not clear. That means if it's being debated, hold on, I know this sounds crazy, it's debatable. (laughs) So you can have an opinion on it, and where it's not clear, I'm going to give you my opinion. Let me give you the out. You can attend the church and be here and be a part and love Jesus and serve God, and we're going to see each other in heaven, and you can be here and serve here and be a part, and we cannot agree. I know that sounds crazy. Because what's so funny is most churches, most people who attend churches believe that everybody in the church is just like them. And you know what? I've been in this long enough to know, ain't everybody like everybody. <laughs> there, I've, been, I've been in church long enough to know that there's people in here who love me some masks, and there's people in here who don't like me some masks. There's some people in here who are Republicans, and there's some people in here who are Democrats. I get it. Like, there's some people in here who believe in things, and some people who don't believe in things. I'm just telling you, I know, like, you're, like, shocked by that. But where it's not clear, I'm going to give you my opinion, and we don't have to agree. And it's all good. We call those open-handed issues. We do not divide on open-handed issues. If you believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God who came down, lived a sinless life, He died on a cross for my sins and for your sins, He was raised up in three days, and you and I agree on that, we're getting somewhere, and we're on the same team, that's a closed-handed issue. Sorry. If you don't believe in that, guess what? Even if you don't believe in that, you can still come to this church because my hope would be that one day you would. It just means we're not going to the same place. We're not walking on the same path. We're not believing the same things. Outside of that, there's a lot of debate and a lot of theological issues that we can walk through and have fun with. So, like, this is supposed to be fun. Everybody smile. Just smile at me. Please just do your pastor a favor. Smile. You can smile in church, and you can laugh, and you can have a good time. And if you don't like that, you ain't going to like this church. I'm just telling you right now. Because we have fun, and we're going to enjoy it. We're going to be biblical. The point of this series, deepen our understanding, not deepen our divisions. Everybody say amen. Amen. You cannot use my answers as ammo against your wife, your family members, or another church. Okay? All right, we agree. Everybody shake your head. God saw you. He saw you. All right. All right. We're going to have some fun today. What we're going to do over the next several weeks is I'm going to answer questions. And what I'm going to take is four topics. And I'm actually going to teach the most frequently asked questions at our church. So the question that gets asked the most. And today I'm going to give you by far, by leaps and bounds, the number one question, the number one topic, the num- not even in this series, but just as a pastor, what I get asked all the time. Anyone want to do a drum roll? We can do a drum roll all around here online. Do a drum roll for everybody. The number one asked question that we always get at this church is... How do I hear the voice of God? And they ask it in different ways. I'll give you an example. How do I know if I should date this person? How do I know if I should buy that house? How do I know if I should go into this career path? Come on, college people. How do I know if I should have a kid? Should we have one kid, two kids, two and a half kids, three kids, five kids, eight kids? How do we go? How do I know? If I should go to this church, come on. How do I know if I should vote this way? How do I know if I should wear a mask? How do I, can I just poke people? How do I know if I should root for the Spurs or not? Come on, like if you love Jesus. All right, so how do I know? 
Like, how do you not? All you're asking is like, how do I hear the voice of God? Like, because I'm, I'm a, so just as a pastor, can I just start off by saying, I am so proud of you. Because you asking that question gives me the indication that you assume God still speaks today. And guess what? God still speaks today. It's not a Bible thing only. He didn't stop speaking after the last apostle died. He didn't stop speaking once we got to, you know, like different parts of the letters of Paul. He, did, he speaks today. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God speaks. He's an amazing God. He enjoys speaking. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. We, it's a critical component of relationship. In fact, conversation is critical for all relationships. It's critical for my relationship with you and your relationship with me, your relationship with your marriage, with your kids, with your family. It's critical in your relationship with God. In fact, I like what one theologian and author said, Dallas Willard said, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is tell them that they could have a personal relationship with God. I should never encourage you to lift your hand at the end of service and say, I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. Look, there's just some random thing just falling on the thing. All right, there you go. I, I, should, never, I should never be in a relationship. Sorry, I got ADD. So, and, um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So I should never be in a, you should never want to be in a relationship with anybody who you cannot communicate with. What most counselors tell you, what's the best thing you should do inside of your marriage relationship, your kids relationship? Keep the lines of what? Communication open. So God still speaks today. It's incredibly important. And John chapter 10 even talks about how God leads us. He says this, and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. Just as Jesus speaking about the revelation of how God leads us. And he says, you, the, the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. It's his speaking that allows sheep to come to the, to the feet of Jesus. So he speaks to him and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And he had gathered his own flock and he walks ahead of them and they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Well, you and I struggle with every day of our lives is how to actually do what God asks us to do. But you can't do what God asks you to do if you didn't hear it. But maybe the most important is verse five, where he says they won't follow a stranger. They won't follow danger. You ever hear that? Stranger danger. You know, you tell your kids. You don't know he's a stranger. Unless you know the voice of God. He says they'll run from him because they don't know his voice. God still speaks today. I'm going to give you a few encouraging words if I can, just from my own personal life, because I know some of us are like, man, I, how does that even happen? I'll give you a few in my life that God has spoke to me pretty clearly. Number one, he, he spoke to me when, uh, about getting into ministry. Somebody asked me the other day, he said, how do you know you're called to ministry? I said, I, I heard it through a man. God spoke through a pastor. I remember I was uh, back in, uh, I had a small church and that we were attending, 75 people-ish, and, uh, and I remember this is back in the old time. My pastor used to preach with like a, a, an anger and like a fire. And like, anybody ever come from that church, like where the pastor's mad about something all the time, and you're like, well, somebody just get the pastor a donut? Like somebody, <laughs> he's so mad. Like why is he mad about something? So just give him something happy. And so he was mad all the time, and he would come out and he'd preach fire. You know, he kind of, y'all do that? Y'all like that? He goes, ah. yeah, had like something at the end of his, I'm like, something wrong with his throat. Get him some water. I always wanted to help the pastor, you know? And so, um, and so he's just, he was mad about something. He's trying to fire of hell. And we always knew about hell. Didn't know. We were pretty sure there was 
the heaven, but we knew there was hell. And so it was like we were trying to, but at the end, he'd always give what's called an altar call, right? And the altar was the front. We call the altar the front. And he would say stuff like, get up on your feet if you want to give your life to Jesus right now. And he'd point people out, you know, because there's only like 50 people in the crowd. And he'd point people out that wouldn't, we wouldn't darken, there'd be everything would be light so everybody would see everything. And he'd be like, you right there, young man, you need to stand up right now. God's coming and he's going to get you. He's going to get you. And we're like, I hope the pastor, you know, we'd ever go to church every Sunday. Be like, I pray to God that the pastor don't point at me, you know. And so, and so um, he, but he, I remember one day he was, he was giving a good message. I'm telling you that God spoke to me and he was like, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you need to stand up. Now we don't do that here, but like, you know, it was a strategy for evangelists, you know, Billy Graham and some of the great uh, evangelists of the day, you know, in the last 50 years, they used what's called an altar call. So they'd make you stand up and he'd say, if you can't stand for God with 50 people, how is God going to stand for you in eternity? You know, he'd say stuff like that, like guilt you to, you're like, well, I guess I got to stand up, you know? And so I stood up and he would, uh, you know, and so I stood up and he's like, come to the altar. You run, you don't walk to the, you price is right. That thing right up here. And so you run to the altar. And so we run to the altar, and I'm standing there, and I'm, like, giving my life to you. I'm like, God, you have what you can use. Y'all heard that song? You can use anything, Lord. You can. Oh, we have three people who know that song. All right, use, use me. And so I'm, like, just standing here. Just receive me. And this, uh, the pastor comes. He puts his hand on my, head, on my head. He starts praying for me. And I'm telling you, I got saved in that moment. It was an awesome moment. I'm being silly about it, but it was powerful. I got saved in that moment. And in that moment, that pastor looked at me and he said, son, you're going to be in ministry. God's going to call you to ministry. You're going to lead a great flock one day. Church is going to be amazing. You're going to be a pastor of a church and God's going to do something through your life. And I'm like, bless God. Amen. It took another, you know, I had to grow up before it happened. You know how many of y'all know, like sometimes you ain't ready for what God's called you to do, but you got to be faithful in what he's called you to do. Come on, that's a message for another day. Because some of y'all trying to move on from another thing. Y'all trying to go somewhere else. You got to stay faithful. So, so, so he spoke to me second time, spoke through my mom, believe it or not, my mom spoke to my mom. So, you know, I, I, give, I like to give stories about my mother. If you're not around here very much, she walks around a lot. She's here. I love her. She's amazing. She's on the front row. Everybody look at her. I'm just kidding. So uh, she always like, stop bringing me up in messages, Aaron. And so, uh, but this is really cool. Like I used, when I was younger, I was, again, I was in that small church and I was trying to date the pastor's daughter for like years. Cause I felt like when you grow up in church and you can marry the pastor's daughter, that's like an automatic get into heaven card. Right? Like, wouldn't you think? Like, that's like, I'm in. So I was trying to date this this girl. She didn't like me at all. I was trying to marry her. And my wife, who I married, my wife, Erica, now, met her when I was 15 years old. She walks into the back of the church. I see her. She's a beautiful. I'm like, oh, my gosh. My wife. I love her. She's great. But I was still in love with the other girl. And so I was, like, trying to date this other girl. And she walked in. And my mom, no lie, no lie. I'm pro- you need to ask my mom. She's sitting in the front row. Come ask her. I'm asked my mom. She said to me, she walks over. She goes, son, that's your wife. God told me that's your wife. And I was like, mom, you don't understand. I'm trying to marry that girl. Tell me that's my wife. And she's, you know, I'm trying to marry that girl. It took me several years before I got over it. And eventually, come on, how many of y'all know? I got married to that girl. And so I got married. God spoke to, what, what happened? God spoke to my mom to, about me to my wife. Last thing, uh, last, and this is not the only time, so I'm just giving you some ideas. I'm trying to inspire you. God can still speak today, okay? Um, the last one was, y'all are sitting in a church because God spoke to me. I remember we were figuring out where we wanted to plant a church, and I was going to go back to California where I'm from. Now, don't hold that against me, okay? I know at this point, California might just fall off the end of the earth, okay? Because, like, we don't know what's going on over there. All of them are crazy, okay? And so I don't even tell anybody. People ask me, like, where I'm from. I'm like, I'm from Texas. I'm from God's country. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so anyway. All right. 
I don't even know what life was like before I moved here, right? I don't know. I'm from Texas. And so anyway, so but, but when we were figuring out where we wanted to plant, I thought maybe I'm going to go to California. I'll go back home because I can, you know, go there. You know, when you go back home, you typically get at least 10 people in your church because they feel bad for you. They know you. They grew up with you, you know. And so they're like, you, my pastor said, you need to come check out San Antonio. I'm like, I don't know anybody in San Antonio. I never even been to San Antonio. I didn't even know San Antonio really existed. And he's like, no, you need to go check it out. So we, we drive in. We, we fly. We drive. We fly in. We start driving around. And literally yesterday, this is so cool, okay? Just a cool little thought. Five years ago yesterday, five years ago yesterday, we, uh, we do this every year. My wife and I will go up to the coffee shop that we were here the first time we came to San Antonio. We wake up. We go over to the coffee shop. It's the local coffee in Sonterra right over here in Stone Oak. And we, w- we drove into it. And we we're standing in line. And no lie. Okay, this is what happened. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I promise you this is what happened. I'm standing in line. We're just waiting for our coffee. Some lady walks up to us and says, are you, God told me to come talk to you about you moving here and planning a church. No lie that happened to me. Now, I'm like looking at my shirt. I'm like, does, I, did I, does my shirt say, like, I'm planning a church. Come ask me how. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, there's nothing on my shirt. She goes, no, God told me I need to talk. And she used that lady to get me connected to a real estate. We, she, this real estate agent spent half of her Saturday with us showing us where to go. We could have went anywhere in San Antonio, y'all. Planted anywhere. We drive down the 1604, come down over here to the corridor. I look over to the right, over where Helotus was. I did not even know Helotus was a city, let alone a name. I didn't even know it mean corn or something like that. I didn't even know any of that stuff. I didn't know Pedrades was over here. I looked over to the right. The God spoke to me so clearly, y'all. When, when you came to the church today, you thought you were sitting in a building. You're sitting in a miracle. Because God still speaks today. He said, this is going to be your territory. You're going to start a church. And, uh, and you're not going to be famous. Yeah, he said, he said, you ain't going to be famous. He said, you're going to make me famous. He said, your church is going to reach the world. Because uh, the world needs Jesus. Because God still speaks today. Now, inevitably, it leads us to the question, why doesn't he speak to me? Because some of you are like, okay, well, he should speak to you, Pastor. You work for him. <laughs> but, like, I never heard no God speak to me with no voice. Last time I checked, there was not a burning television in my s- <laughs> speaking from it. Heaven's in open. There's no dove in my life. What, what's going on? Why doesn't God speak to me? Consider a few of these thoughts. Maybe you're too busy. I've noticed that God's around and God's available and God's present, but sometimes we're too busy if we're honest. I mean, if you're really honest, if you look at your calendar right now, is it, is it not just full but overflowing? By the way, you're in control of your calendar. Your kids aren't in control of your calendar. Your boss is not in control of your calendar. No, no, you're not. You're in control of your calendar. And maybe you got too many hobbies, and maybe you, you got too much work. There's too much stuff. You, 
you're too busy, you're too distracted. There's a story I would highly encourage you to go back and look at it, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is a story where Jesus is walking through the, the city, and he goes to a home, and there's two characters inside this story. There's Martha and there's Mary. And the Bible says that Mary was at the feet of Jesus listening to him speak. And then, and then he said, that the Bible says it's so weird, because he gives two characters in the story because there's two characters in the world, people who are quiet enough to sit at the feet of Jesus and the people who are too busy and too distracted not to. And Martha was doing it in the spirit and in the name of goodness. She was trying to help. She was trying to be a good hostess. She was trying to do what she thought was right when the whole time she just needed to sit at the feet of Jesus. Could be too busy. Second reason is multiple voices. I've noticed that, have you ever been in a car with kids, more than one? Anybody been in a car with kids? Okay, good. I have five young boys. I just noticed, like, they all talk at the same time. And it's almost like they spur each other on a little bit. So, like, I'll hear, dad, 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 dad. And I'm like, anybody do that recently? Like, on the way to church today, right? You're like, you know, before you get there, you're like, y'all better just zip it. Can't wait to drop them off at Rise Kids. Get them out of here. I'm not even going to church. I'm going to leave them in there. I'm going to drive away. Right? But when they all talk together, you just can't, you can't understand. You just, why? Why? Why is that? Why is that? Because there's multiple voices. i got to be honest with you. I think in no other time in history has there ever been a, a premium on the amount of voices you and I hear. I, I like to ask questions from people who are on social media a lot about things and their opinion. What's funny is, is they'll give me their opinion, and I'll go, that ain't your opinion. That's the opinion of the news anchor you watch. Hey, what do you think about this? That ain't your opinion. That's the opinion of the political party you ascribe to. No, that ain't your opinion. That's the opinion of a friend that posted something. Let me show you this article. How many of y'all have had that? Where you post, and they're like, uh-uh. I one time I posted something about green tea. I like green tea. It was something like green tea. It was like 10 years ago. So I posted something on green, like, ah, man, I really enjoy this green tea. You would have thought I said I worship Satan (laughs) with some people. They were like, did you know how green tea is made? Do you know what green tea does to you? Do you know what you're trying to do? Let me show you this article. Come on. Like that's social media in a nutshell, y'all. And what you're doing is I have to be careful because, you know, I. I used to say social media just is, that it's a tool. And I, I wrestle with that, if I'm honest. Because the longer I, I see it in people's hands, and the more voices that get, you, you and I, we allow a lot of voices into our life. And that's a real easy way to let people speak to you without your permission. And the last time I checked, you, you shouldn't let nobody just speak to you without your permission. So we got to be careful for multiple voices. Last one, this is an eerie one, is an unprepared heart. So I think sometimes God speaks, but it's not because you're busy. And it's not because maybe there's multiple voices and you can't discern what Jesus is and not. But, but it's because when he did speak to you, it fell on a heart that was not prepared to hear it. There's a scripture inside of Matthew where Jesus tells a story um, about, he's kind of, he's kind of given like a, like an example of when he speaks and the different types of people that speak in Matthew chapter 13. Go back and read it. But he, but he says there's a, there's a part of it that says, um, like there's, he, he said, it, there's a farmer who throws seed on the ground and there's three different types of soil. And the soil 
of a of a he, he, he talked about a footpath, something that's been stepped on a lot and been pounded down and been flattened, and there's no way it could get in that the the birds will come and, and steal it away. And he says it's just like that that when God speaks to you, that if you don't have a prepared heart that allow it to go into the ground and the soil of your spirit, that the enemy will come and snatch it away before it could ever get inside of your heart. And so sometimes you'll hear God, but you won't listen. This is why I did the series, by the way. Because um, most of the questions that you probably asked are questions you know the answer to. God already gave you the answer to, but you're not good with the answer. So, so you know what we do? Because I do this. None of you guys do this. Other churches than me. Uh, what we do is we search the Internet, and we go to church, and church, and church. We find another church, another friend. And we find all the people who believe and think the way that we think and answer the way that we want to hear it. That's why I said anytime I answer a question for you guys, most of the time you all don't like it, and you just leave because you're like, well, <laughs> he just doesn't know. And I can't be under a pastor who thinks, who thinks green tea is good. I'm telling you, like, y'all think I'm joking. <laughs> it happens. But maybe our heart's not prepared to hear the answer that God really gave it to you. He already answered that question in his word through godly wisdom, through godly counsel. You just don't, you're not ready to receive it. So if that's the truth, then how do we hear the voice of God? Well, I'm so glad that you asked, but I'm not going to answer that yet. Because we're going to do something fun right now. Everybody say fun. fun. We're going to do something fun called the hot seat. All right. And the hot seat is what I'm going to be on. And Tabby is going to ask me a bunch of questions. So help me do me a favor and welcome Miss Tabby, our staff member. She's one of our staff members. She's going to teach. Um, uh, she's going to she's going to ask me a bunch of questions. And um, I get like a certain. Oh, hold on, honey. Thank you, son. That's my son. He's like, we'll talk about that later. So anyway. Uh, um, and so we. Uh, She's going to ask me a bunch of questions. You get five. I get what? How long do I get? How long do I get? Five, five? Minutes. five minutes. Is that on? Five minutes. Five minutes. So great. Yes. So she, I got five minutes to answer as many of the ancillary questions that I can answer that you have asked to come in and I felt like we couldn't get to or I wanted to get to. So I wanted to answer as many as I can. So I'm going to go on to the hot seat and I think that'll be great. So do we, do we want to tell them that that's what we're going to do? Yeah, let's do so it. So you guys ready? To have oh they have this thing can I tell them about yeah, it before sure. we do it yeah okay so absolutely. there's this really cool thing that happens in our production team and they wanted to save it as a surprise but I think it's fun just to tell you about it and then you guys can be a part of it okay so here's what we're gonna do all right so we're gonna count on the count of three we're gonna say the hot seat yes. and you got to say it like you know uh, like Barbara Walters you know like that you got to say it like with some, some some something you know like you're ready and you're a news anchor and you're gonna drill me with a bunch of questions you all ready yeah. all right so on the count of three one Two, three. The, the hot, hot seat. seat. I'm telling you what, there's other pres there's better preachers in this city, but they can't do this. <laughs> oh, my word. Hey, can we do it again? That was just fun. Okay. All right, go back real quick. We'll just do it on the count of three. I Here just sorry. That's just super cool to me. All right. Let's do it. One, two, two three. three. The hot seat. Hey, give it up to our production team. They're amazing. Tabby, what do you do here? Tell people what you do here. I mean, oh she, somebody asked, she's like, Tabby's on staff. What does she do? I'm like, she does everything. She runs the church. I'm like, she's, she does everything. Give it up. She's amazing. All right, can I give the rules now? 
Give the rules. Okay, we're going to give the rules. All right. All right. So here's what's going to happen, y'all. Pastor Aaron is going to answer as many questions as he can in five minutes. Say it with me, five minutes. How, long now, did, how, many did I, how many did I answer last time? You answered three last time. How many did we have? I think I seven? had seven. So my goal is to answer is, here's the problem. When I start answering questions, you guys start looking at me like, and then I feel like I have to over-explain the question, okay? So maybe, will you guys promise not to judge me if I give you a quicker answer? You taught about that That was like not encouraging. Ago. I had like three people say, yeah, we won't judge you. <laughs> All right, never mind. I really don't think Sounds you like we're going to answer one there question it is. today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give Pastor just a little bit of a buffer because I'm going to ask the question before they put the, before they put the timer on the clock, okay? Because we're going to do the hot seat. <laughs> do, do, do. They didn't. All right, never mind. All right, sorry. Maybe next All time. Right, there you go. All right, are you ready? Yes. Are you guys ready for question number one? Yes. All right, here we go. Is my pet going to heaven? Timer on the clock. Uh, how many of y'all think your pet's going to heaven? Raise your hand. All right, all right. How many of y'all think your pets, there's no hope for him? Raise your hand. How many of y'all excited that you will never see your pet in heaven? Raise your hand. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay, all right. Uh, so, look, here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. I'm going to give you the Bible thought on this, okay? So, there, there is no place that says your pet, will, Fluffy, will be in heaven with you. However, 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 there are some really cool indications of certain things. Like, in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 9 talks about make, uh, Noah making a covenant with animals. And, you know, he, he, I mean, there was a reason why he brought animals onto the ark with him. I think that's kind of cool. Revelation, at the end of time, you see uh, Jesus coming in, riding in on a white horse. It's not a Hummer or a Humvee or, you know, a Cadillac. It's a, it's a horse. And then um, Isaiah, even, which is a prophecy book in the Old Testament, and they talk a little bit about um, using metaphor, uh, you know, animal metaphors with using it for heaven. So they talk about like the lion will lie with the lamb. So there's some indication that we could and might see animals in heaven. And so one of the reasons I um, I kind of I kind of walk through that with people is because I think um, there are a few thoughts that I'd, I'd love to give. One is that um, I, don't get mad at me about this, but um, you got to understand biblically, okay, biblically, animals do not have the same value as, as, as humans do, okay? And now I know there's a lot of people who are like, they're about the fur baby life, and they love them, and they're, that's their kid. I, I'm not saying that that's, not, that's wrong. I'm just saying biblically, if you go and look at scripture, they're, they're not held. Jesus came as a man, right. not as fluffy. God created man in his own image, okay? There's, there's a human value that comes with, that there's a, the humans come with a certain innate value that animals just don't. So just be careful on what we value, uh, how we value and what we value with our animals. The second thing I would say is, um, in my opinion, there's likely animals in heaven. If you look at scripture and you see, I think it could be cool. I think God delights in our happiness. And if you like animals and like like you know, you like your pets and stuff like that. It wouldn't be anything to me if I got up there. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Fluffy up there with you and you just, you know, petting Fluffy and it'd be all good. So I think it would, it would be cool to me. I think God, I think it's a possibility. The last time I checked, we don't know because ain't nobody went to heaven, took a picture of their pet that died and then came back and showed it to everyone. Um, so I know there's books and there's movies that have been written on. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying there's no way to verify that. So it's a great thought. It's a great idea. I'm not saying you shouldn't believe it. I'm just saying we need to be careful that we don't place uh, a too much faith in, an, in a man-made or inordinate object that, that should be really for God. Our pets, do, our pets don't bring us comfort. Jesus brings us comfort. That's good. All right, number two. All right, two minutes That's and my 32 thought. seconds. You don't have to agree with me. Okay. Okay, next question. How are we to respond to atheists and agnostics? 
Um, yeah, so here's what's, here's what's funny about people. I think sometimes when they get saved, I think you feel like it's your job to go and convert everybody who doesn't believe in you. And I know you're like, well, what about the Great Commission? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it wasn't your job to go convert somebody. You don't save anybody. What Jesus did, so Jesus even, Jesus walked around, and you know what he did? He hung out with the people that didn't believe in him. And he dined with the people that didn't believe in him. He loved the people. Love, I think we should all be John 15. This is my commandment, that you love. Everybody say love. You love one another as I have loved you. Here's my point. Don't make a point. Make a difference in somebody's life. Stop trying to convert them and make them a Christian. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but stop trying to make them a Christian. Why don't you just love on them, bring them a meal, show them that they're valued, show them that they care, and you'll be surprised how much they want to know about the God that you serve. Yep. Uh, that'd be my opinion on it. That's and good. then um, I will say this last point. Um, it's always benefited me. I've always in my life, even to this day, I've always in my life had someone who is either an agnostic or an atheist in my life. It helps me be a better uh, man of God. So if you're one of those people who are like, I only have Christian friends, that's weird. And that ain't biblical. And that's anti-Jesus, just so you know. So, like, I'm not saying go out and party with everybody who's ungodly, but I am saying it's like you should have some people in your life who are don't know God so that you can get a better view on what it's like to not have Jesus in your life. Yeah. All right. Next question. When we die, do we come back to life as a different person? Don't we live again? Basically, we've gotten a lot of these questions. Actually, it's just worded a little bit differently. Basically, what they're asking, Pastor, is what happens when we die? Yeah. Um, here's the easy question to answer that. We don't know. Like, and you're like, well, what about Revelation? Okay, we know a little bit. But I don't know what happens if you die right now. Like, I don't know exactly. Here's why. Like I said before, I know there's been great books and movies. I can't verify that. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying the Bible gives us glimpses into what heaven and hell are like and what the end of days will look like. And matter of fact, it's not... By the way, heaven is not a bunch of us looking like chubby babies floating around with angels, right? With wings and like we're floating in the clouds playing harps. That's not what, but biblically, really what it's more like is it's a renewed earth and a renewed heaven. And we're on this earth and it's been renewed and made amazing. And there's no pain and there's no sickness and there's no anxiety and there's no worry and there's no hurt and there's no bleeding and there's no, come on, like it's amazing. And we're with God all the time and there's no Satan. So that's, that's really what more heaven is, is like biblically. And so what, what happens to our bodies? I mean, Philippians, Paul talks about we get a renewed body, a renewed self, a renewed mind. We walk around in a perfect self. There's no sickness. There's no disease. So there's a lot of that going on. I would say this. Heaven's a real place. Hell is a real place. Eternity is a long time. Hell is hot. I would rather spend my time in heaven. And if I could do anything at all. It should lead us to be extremely, extremely encouraged to, to run with hustle. So that we're, we're doing our best to get people as much as we can to get them into the relationship with Jesus Christ. That would be my, uh, my, my thing on that. So, yeah. Are we out of time? We are out can of I time. Can I push one more time? Let's do one more just because I'm the pastor. One more? I can put it. Yeah, I can do one All more. Right. All right. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump around a little bit here. How about I have not been baptized? Is baptism a requirement for my salvation? Um. Okay, so I, I'm going to be sensitive with this because I know a lot of people come from different denominations and different church backgrounds, okay? So I'm just going to speak to you biblically, okay? The Bible teaches, and thousands of years of Christian orthodoxy would teach this, and this is what we ascribe to. You need to know this. Baptism is not needed for salvation. And let me prove it to you, okay? I'm going to prove it to you. This is just one spot in all the Bible, and I can go through a bunch of them. Let me prove it to you. Jesus was hanging on a cross. 
the man next to him that was hanging on a cross looks to Jesus and says, very simple sentence, will you remember me? And Jesus responds back to him and says, you will be, to, yes, today, today you will be with me in paradise. He said, you're going to make it. You're in. And the Bible teaches us, especially through some of the New Testament uh, authors and apostles, that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. That's it. Here's another reason why. If you could do something to get your salvation, you would have done it already. And it didn't, we didn't need Jesus. So by definition, salvation is a gift and Therefore, you cannot earn it and do anything to get it, including baptism. So then why do we baptize? Here's why. We see it as a New Testament practice. We see it as a way to actually honor God with the commitment that we made inside of our heart. We call it an outward expression of an inward decision that we made to follow Jesus. So we do baptism. In fact, we're going to have baptism after service today. So we do it once a quarter. And if you've given your life to Jesus and you've never been baptized, you should go get baptized. You don't even need to sign up for it. We got a free gift for you. We'll give you a towel. We'll make sure you love it. It'll be awesome. We'll take pictures of it. It's awesome. It's a celebration. It's an outward expression of what God did inside of your life. And so the reason we do full immersion, so I know some of us, like, we come from backgrounds where you got maybe baptized as a child, and so you got sprinkled in water. We just believe one of the orthodoxies of Christianity is that you should be immersed, because baptism in the Greek is baptizo, which means immersion. Jesus was fully immersed, so we just follow the, the, the background of Jesus. Now, look, if you have a different take on that, honestly, that's okay. I, I, it's an open we're probably we'll still see each other in heaven that's what's so cool but like we just that's our practice here religiously so i would love to baptize you we would love to baptize you and have you a part of that and we that's how we do it we if a great easy way to think about it is your wedding ring how many of y'all have a wedding ring let me see it show it up come on come on ladies put a ring on it you're right yeah y'all put it up there all right so so like if you have a wedding ring here's what's funny if you lose your wedding ring do you no longer are you no longer married no you married even though you, some of you are like, yeah, it's like, take it off, because I'm tired of being married to that person. No, no, you still married. Sorry. So you still, you still are married. It's just an outward expression of a, come on, of an inward decision and a commitment you made, right? That's the same thing that baptism is. It's a symbol. So like we want to use it. It's a holy religious symbol that we do on a regular basis. And it's so you and I can celebrate. So that's why I love it. So that's is that good. okay? Yes. All right. Awesome. Thank awesome. you, All Pastor. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to wrap it up. I'm done. I'm going to close with just, hey, how do you hear to the voice of God? Thank you, Tabby. She's amazing. Awesome. Thank you for all you do. Um, give it up for Tabby one last time. Um, I'm, I'm going to have fun with the hot seat over the next several weeks. It's going to be amazing. It really is. Um, and we're going to answer a bunch of questions. I got, we got questions just, I mean, about anything and everything. Somebody asked, you know, I listen to Cardi B. She's awesome. Am I going to go to heaven? You know, I mean, like we hear stuff like that all the time. So it's just, it's, it's like, all right, well, you know. And so it's going to be awesome. How many of y'all think? I'm just kidding. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, how do you hear the voice of God? So if, if busyness, multiple voices, and if an unprepared heart keeps us from hearing the voice of God, how, how do you hear the voice of God? Um, one of the things I try to teach as a Bible teacher and as a pastor is that your life with Jesus is not something that you can microwave. In a world of Amazon Prime where we, like, order something and it's there that day, um, it's just not the way relationships work. It's not the way God works. He doesn't speak to us like that. If I could give you his phone number and you can call him, I would. But more often than not, God, God speaks to us through a cultivated, cultivated relationship with him, which means I cannot fast track it. And, and the closer you get to him, the easier it is to hear him. And so I just want to give you maybe a way to see how to get closer to him. 
Um, and the Bible speaks of it in, in this way. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. So God oftentimes is, he look, our lives are our garden that God grows, but we play a part in it. And so I'm not saying he's got to grow those things inside of your life. He's got to grow the relationship, but you and I play a part in it. And every garden has three essential ingredients. It has a seed, it has soil, and it has water. And I think if, if that garden has that in your life, if you have that spiritually in your life, you'll hear the voice of God a little a little clearer and a little easier. The first one, the, the, the seed to me is the seed of prayer. I like what scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. It says, in the morning sow your seed. There's something powerful. I, I just, look, I, I always used to kind of push back on this a little bit when I used to hear the preacher say, like, you should get up and pray in the morning rather than pray in the evening. And I was like, well, prayer is good all the time. And I, and I get that. But I think there is something powerful that the first thing that you do in life when you get up is you pray. There's something powerful about that. There's something powerful about getting up and just actually just having a conversation with God. And I'm not saying you need to go to your prayer closet and be in there for an hour. I'm just saying, what if you got up and the first thing you did was not reach for your phone, but you, 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 close, you, you, you opened your eyes and you said, God, thank you for today. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that you've put me on this place. Thank you that you've given me kids to love, that you give me a job to go to, that even though I don't like it, you've given me something to go to. That God, come on, you know what I'm saying? Like where you're able to walk through and have a prayer time with God. There's a seed that goes in the ground of your heart, and I think God looks at that and he can build upon it. The second thing is is, um, is the soil of the church. Uh, Psalms chapter 62, verse 13 says, planted, I'm going to be planted in the house of the Lord, planted in the house of the Lord. I've noticed that when I plant a plant in the ground, it's not good for me to ever always like, pick it back up and then go replant it somewhere else and then un, you know dig that one back up and go replant it somewhere else and there are a lot of people in our world today where it's so easy nowadays to just get up and leave and go to another church and, and i'm not saying you should get planted here this is not a a a you know a, a, an advertisement to stay at rise if you don't feel it here that's that's okay we're, we're not the church for everybody but you should find a bible believing bible teaching church that delivers the message of God that's uh, hopefully spirit-filled and loves the Lord. And I think that if you find that, you get planted. And then, I know this sounds crazy. I'm going to use a really offensive word in our culture today. Y'all ready? And commit. The opposite of cancel. We should have done that series. Commit. The opposite of cancel cancel culture. Hashtag cancel culture. Just make everybody mad. But commit. What if you were committed to a local church, to the bride of Christ? What if you didn't let one thing offend you out the door? Because I get it all the time. They're like, the pastor didn't wear what I liked him to wear. The pastor was too loud. He, was, he made too many jokes. He doesn't talk enough. He talks too fast. Talks too slow. The music's too loud. The music's too too light. There's too many lights. There's no. L, there's an LED screen. There's no LED screen. Why is there a platform? I don't understand what's going on. Why is it dark in here? I don't. And you will criticize yourself out of a church, or you can be planted. And I've just noticed the things that stay planted, they grow, man. They grow. And so I'm not saying I'm never going to offend you. I'm not ever going to offend you. I probably already have in this one message. But maybe you can look past my flaws and look to the perfection of God and know that you're in a perfect place to grow. Be planted in the house of God. The last one is this, is to water the water of the Bible. Talk about elements of how to get, maybe, you know, hear the voice of God. That Ephesians chapter 5 says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water of your word. You know who he's talking about right there? Paul's referencing it to husbands about their wives. And he's saying, what he's doing is he's saying, look, if you look at your wife and you don't like what you see, number one, 
that's part your fault. I know, guys, you want to be like, well, you don't know her. She's crazy. But you need to know, like, that's part your, we call it your fault for where I come from. That's your fault. Because she was a gift given to you to lead and to steward and to cultivate. And if she's dirty in any way, you play a part in that. And, and so what he's doing, he's saying, wash her with the water. Of the earth. I'm not like, you know, go throw her in the shower. <laughs> I have to, like, clarify all the time, you know. <laughs> with the water of the word. The Bible, okay? Like, you, you, should call, you should wash. You should speak life to her. You should wake up and say, she is an amazing woman of God. She's a great mom. She's a great wife. And you say it to her. Don't say it just about her. Say it to her. Well, when she does something good, I'll say it to her. That's not how it works. What if, you, what if in the moment where she's, she's being crazy and she's acting crazy, but you were walking up to her and said, look, honey, I, I, whatever I did, I'm so sorry. And that you are a woman of God, and I want to honor you, and I want to lift you up, and you can be somebody. And she said, shut up. Don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear about God. And didn't just be like, okay, cool. I'm just going to tell God about you. She's amazing. I want you to know that I love you. And there's nothing that you can't do. And there's amazing God. I'm behind you. You have a husband who prays for you and loves you and lifts you up and covers you and protects you. I'm washing you with the water of the word. I'm doing what Pastor said. Get mad at Pastor. Why? Because water, water, water does something to the to the soil and to the seed, and it grows things and it helps us with things. Come on, right? It helps us grow what we want to grow. If you want to hear God's voice, get rid of the busyness. Get rid of the multiple voices. Come on. Get rid of the unprepared heart. Get some prayer in your life. Commit to a church. Start speaking Bible over you. See if you don't hear God's voice more clearly.